Ure, Kev. Wow. The dread, the last wow. son. What is it? Wow. What did you say? It's the last son, the body's coach. All right, cool. The real this is. Show. This is show. the what? The real what? <laughs> the real body show. Easy, the real body <laughs> show. All right, cool. So we're here, um, LITC podcast, episode nine. It's a pleasure to have you here. I don't know if you've seen any of our podcasts, but the way we start, we start by looking. looking. Yeah, we're looking. We're getting there. We're getting there. Interesting, bro. We're getting there. We're getting there. But we start with a piece of art and just Um, like literally what you think. I said to myself today, I'm going to switch up on him and ask him what he thinks. This guy. We like to start the show and um, just ask our people what they think. What do you think, Charlie? You know what? Like for me, it's a bit unfair for you to ask me this because I. I've, I've explained what I think about this piece of art so many times, but yeah, but I I'll give it a go. It. I'll give it a go. Because maybe you see something different to right, it. I'll give it a go. So for me, the feelings, let me talk about the feelings I get. I get feelings of dance, ritual, Africa, colourful. They're the feelings. What I think of that, what I think of it is that eyes, watching, someone always watching, and like I spoke to mm. um, when I, I remember having Dexter here and we were talking about there's eyes just everywhere and it feels like I'm looking at it, but it's looking at me. So that's that's what I think about it. Wow, you went in. That's what I love about him, you know. Because <laughs> you're a man, you're, you're, you're articulate and you could build you could build a sentence, you could build a paragraph, you could I describe something. I don't know about something. all that. I don't know no, about but you, all you that. are. You're, you're very descriptive like that, man. Mm. I'm a person now, I just enjoy and appreciate what you said. I'll be yeah. one of them ones, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yo, what he said. Yeah. Because that was beautiful, it's the truth. And everything you said, I, I, it resonates with me. Mm. It is about the eyes as well, and the colourful, and the, you do feel it as music. Mm. You can, it's like something about it is dancing, even though it's standing still. Yeah. Maybe them African, you know? But yeah, but I, I think that you're coming from being descriptive. That's powerful. Like you said, you are like that. No, but I'm that's saying, what I asked you what you said. No, nah, what you just said. There, I think that's really powerful. You said it's dancing, but it's standing still. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think like yeah. you can go deeper with that. Like in terms of when you said that, I haven't heard something like. That, but it's like me and you can be sitting there and your brain's my brain's going a hundred miles per hour. But we're still but yeah, we're just, just sitting there. You don't even yeah. know. You like, wouldn't, do you wouldn't mean? know exactly. So, yeah. yeah, it's quite powerful and, still. And, the, the factor about that is what you just said there. It's like um, looking at life in multiple dimensions. Like, don't always just look at something one way. Mm. Like, to me, life is a balance, isn't it? So you might have the sun, the moon, up, down, in, out, hot, cold, da 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 Finding the balance of those two variations, mm. that's the key in it, into the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So even though it's standing still, you can acknowledge and recognize that it still vibes in. It's yeah. a, it's, there's yeah. a beat going on. There's yeah. music there. Most definitely. There's energy happening yeah. in that picture. Most but I love how you talk, though, because you're a man, you're, you're, very, you're very articulate in your vocabulary. You know what? I thought it's it, it's mad because it's one of the questions I'm probably going to ask about you. You know what? I'll jump into it now before we go back to the beginning. And one of the, the questions that I usually ask us is, "What do you think people think about you? What's their perception about you?" And you saying to me, "Oh, I'm very articulate." It's something I want to be. I don't really feel like I am. 
It's something I really want to be more of. I want to be more articulate. I want to use, I won't even say longer words, but I don't feel like I can always express myself the way that I would like to. But um, yeah, so that's interesting. So the question I'm asking you is what would you say the perception people have of you or think about you? Like for me to be able to say that about you is because I, I recognise it in myself. So whenever we tell people about things like, oh, you know, it's because you recognise because you either experienced it or you, do you get what I'm saying? Mm. So that's why I can say that to you, that you're articulate, because I recognise it. It's something that I, I get people saying that, oh, the way Kev talks, Kev talks like a, and it's, it's something that it took, I didn't realise till late in life, you know, because obviously I've had my locks for a long time. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that people have a, they build a, a immediate perception of you with, on seeing you. Mm. But that perception can be thrown into confusion when the person actually speaks to you. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So people will see me and they'll be like, right, man, and kind of look serious still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I might talk and they'll be like, right. My man is articulate. My man talks. My man's very. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so basically, people see you and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you don't know. Man has a respect on them things." Exactly. Like, you're like, so they're like, "All right, mate." And like, How's that work? I've, and that's the thing. Like, my life has had a lot of stereotypes. Yeah. I've experienced, should I say, a lot of stereotypes. And I was thinking about it today. So the, the recognizing is something that's helped me to be able to kind of process it and, and, and be able to kind of overstand certain situations, yeah, yeah. what they are, without them being necessarily damaging. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah, yeah. people just, just, just appreciate um, the way that I speak. But then it also has its flip side because I'm a very quiet guy as well. Mm. I'm a very private guy. So yeah. as much as I can be outwardly spoken I could also be inwardly introvert yeah, or whatever 100% I get that so let's go back to the beginning so I want to know go back way back to the beginning where you grew up how you grew up siblings family school I want to take us on a journey of how you become who you are now wow that's a big question yeah and I'm sure there's not going to be everything you wouldn't be able to there's going to be so many parts you're going to probably miss out but that's a, let's start yo, there yo go family oh my days Love, bro. Love, love. That's what it's love. like here. Yeah. People are just coming past. <laughs> We're seeing everyone. We're saying, oh, see that, mate. I don't know who he is, but you know what I mean? Listen. It's professional, mate. Listen. Professional. The man there, top, top man. Yeah. Um, born in Dulwich Hospital. Went to Yorkshire to live Yorkshire. at a young age. Yeah, yeah. My mum went to Yorkshire. Was that just me and my mum. Emmerdale. Like, like that. Yeah, Leeds. Yeah. Round the oh, Leeds, Leeds, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I think. Um, and then, boom. Didn't stay there for long. Ended up having a mad experience. Like, our house burnt down. It was mad. How old, how old were you? I was like four, mm. four or five. And then... Do you remember any of this? Or? I do, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Still. It's, one, it's been one of my... You know, like you've got, what do they call it? M milestones, like yeah, so marking like pivotal points. points. Yeah, 
within like, your life. Yeah, thumbnails, you know, like yeah. Ended up coming back to London, boom, boom, boom. Went to Oliver Goldsmith. In, what um, was household like? Mom, dad, just me and my mom. Just you and your mom. Yeah, I was like that single. I'm that single parent. No father. Um, did would you did you ever have contact with your dad or never? I don't even know who my dad is. Yeah, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. Even that in itself is like wow. It's a bit mad with that. Like even saying that, you know, like when you say that to me, it's nothing because I got so many friends. That are the same, like, I, know. I don't know who my dad is, I like, know. and you know, like, when you're deep on the level, it's, it's deep, like, what, oh, like, but it's like you're numb to it, like, I'm so used to hearing that people have grown up around, it's like, all right, cool, like, and then we just, like, with us, we just find our place, innit, bro, no dad, so what, my mum's, my mum and dad is what it is. I, I don't think we appreciate how damaging that is, yeah. because to, for generations and generations to keep coming up like that, because I believe that my generation was probably one of the first ones of that kind of nature. Because mm. prior to that, I remember our cornerstones being married or being together in a house raising children. Do you get what I'm saying? But this single parenthood thing, that, that, that to me came in like, as I was like, I feel like I was one of the first generations that experienced that. Mm. Do you get mm. what I'm saying? Mm. And, but I feel like that, that, that cycle there is damaging. Yeah. And I don't feel enough is being done to address a lot of these negative cycles that are happening in certain communities. Because it, it's, it's, you have to, whether, you, whether we deal with it or not, yeah, we still have to deal with it. Because these people are our communities. We amongst these people every day. Whether you mix with them or not, you they still you still share a community with them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we need to be paying attention to and fixing and caring about, you know, things that happen in our communities because it affects us. And when I'm thinking about it, like when you're saying you believe that like you're probably the first generation, your generation is the generation where a lot of this came from. Do you think that's got a lot to do with migration? So I suppose the what I mean by that is let's say for us that uh, our parents were from back home, i.e. the Caribbean, um, Africa, over in those countries, a lot of times parents would be together. It's no, oh, it's mum and dad, far, far, whether good or bad or indifferent, they stay together and they are together as a unit. We're supposed to, when they've come over to England, it seems like when you're saying about your generation, it seems like the travel over and whatever adversities they went through, allowed this pattern to start happening? Do you think that's something has anything to do with it or? hundred um, percent. What happened with us is we kind of came here and started to adopt a different culture and put aside our own culture. And, and in doing so, I feel like it affected us massively because then we started living outside of our body and we, 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 we are, we're not really comfortable with who we actually are because we're actually trying to do something else. But that doesn't go with us because that's not who we are. So this is why we're experiencing the problems that we're experiencing. The way I see life at the moment is so, it's so deep that nothing's unexpected or nothing's surprising or nothing's... Yeah. I just enjoy it or just experience and just go through it and go through it. I'm not even surprised mm. because things... I've just has just come to a point now where I actually feel like a lot of the things that I I witnessed and I've been through in life is actually 
got us all to this moment now, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, my yeah. life had a massive contribution mm -hmm. to us getting to this point. Yeah. Like, so, looking at that, we're going to go back to the beginning of today. Anyway, but looking at it, it leads me to another question that I have. So, looking at that, with everything, because you said you, things are not surprising to you no more. It's just like, nothing it is what it is. No so, looking at everything that's gone on, this whole pandemic, or whatever you want to call it, whatever's happened, all of that, if you could be an animal, what animal would you be? And taking it into account, like everything you've been through and everything that's going on now, if you could be an animal, what animal would you be and why? Well, obviously I'd say a lion, but I think, I don't, there's a show that used to come on where the animal used to morph into, I'd, I'd morph into different animals. So like a chameleon, is it a chameleon? I, I wouldn't want to be a chameleon. I would start off as a liar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand? So I would be that. different traits. But I would morph into what I need at the time. And that's, for me, that's that's how I kind of deal with life in terms of not being surprised. I just deal with things like that. I just, Adaptability. You know, yeah. I think that's an important thing. I think a lot of our people, we just we want things to be a certain way and we, we can't adapt to things. We create this big expectancy on stuff and then end up getting disappointed because expectancy creates disappointment. Mm. Expectancy creates disappointment. Expand on that a bit more. For me, like when you expect from people, you're only going to be like, because people, man is flesh, isn't it? It's only going to let you down. So you expecting something from somebody, you're only putting them in a position to let you down. So is that something you've had to learn over time? or? I guess I have. I guess I have. I've read it. That's in the Bible. But you experience that in life. It's, it's, it's natural. Somebody might want to do something and have the greatest intentions, you know. And it, it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it weren't their fault, really. Yeah. But yeah. it was because of them why it never happened. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. It just, that's just life. It's, you know what? It's and, funny. And that's that why you have to be able to not expect, to not put so much, and be able to adapt and be versatile. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You have to be able to bob and weave and duck mm. and dive. Yeah. Just navigate throughout all of this and 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 then expect people to be who they are as well. Do you allow, get what I'm saying? Allow people to Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. I think if you allow people to be, then you'll be able to know how to deal with them better. Mm. Okay. A lot of times people create images of people that they're comfortable with and then they try to deal with them on that level, but that's not what suits the relationship. Yeah. Because that's not the, they're not actually dealing with that person, truly. Mm. No, I get that. That makes sense. We do that a lot in relationships. Explain that to me a bit more. We, we deal with them on the basis of what we want them to be and how we want them to be yeah, that's towards us. That's, on point. that's how we're dealing with them. Do you think we always, do you think we can always realise that at the time? Most people don't realise yeah, it. That's not to sound that. arrogant, but... Yeah. People, a lot of people don't have self-awareness. Mm. And a lot of people just don't come up to spend the time to think about certain mm. things. And I think in life, it's really important to do that because that's your consciousness. That's, that's what you are, your consciousness. If you're not using your consciousness, then what are you? Yeah, you know what? It's powerful. That's why I just took a little bit of time to listen to that. We're not using your consciousness anymore. Uh, cool. So let's go back now. So you were saying single parent family was in Leeds, came back to London. Yeah, went to infant school, primary school, 
Where was that? Where, what part of London? Um, Peckham. Okay. I'd had a few little mad things, like, as I said, house burnt down in Yorkshire, and then boom, there was a flood in our house in Peckham. Yeah. Like, I see my mum go through certain things still. Yeah, that that single parenting is, is, is kind of mad. So when you say you see your mum going through certain things, things that affected you? Yeah. But, as you said, it's a regular thing. Everybody goes through it, so, you know. And you see a lot of those things people suffer with still to this day. Like I was watching this thing called um, Dr. Gabor Mate, and he talks about traumas and how traumas are addictive behavioral coping mechanisms. Did we speak about this? Yeah, me and you were speaking about and this the other day, yeah. The thing about it, it's deep because as we're growing up, we actually find some ways to deal with stuff mm-hmm. that it fits and it works. And I've recognized it myself in my own life. It fits and it works for that moment and time. But as you grow older, it actually can become a damaging process. 100% where we spoke about that. Yeah. That, when I was just speaking to him, just asked you that, I saw like you got really emotional there. Like, do you know what I mean? And that. Uh, like, obviously, what I will say is, I feel, I don't know, for me, I won't say touching, but whenever I see a man coming from where we're coming from and is able to release that emotion and just be like, not, I'm hard, I'm a man, and like, let tears go and whatnot. Like, it's a thing like, you know what I mean? Obviously, I don't want you to feel that way, but I respect it, do you get what I'm saying? Because I feel do you know what? people bottle things up. And that can, can lead to exploding, bro. We've all done it. We've exploded because we bottled these things up. For me, I think we, as I said, we, our society is not really civilized. And the reason why I say that is because we don't care about individuals. We don't put anything into how an individual feels. Mm. We will just look at things by the masses. Do you get what I'm saying? And one size fits yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not how we are. It's not life, and it? It's got to be bespoke. Everyone's gone through different things. Right. I mean, you could have gone through the exact same thing, but it's going to affect us differently. 100%. Grew up in the same household. Me, I was on road. My sister's nothing like that. We're in the same household, though, bro. Exactly. Like, exactly. So, to echo your point. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, so I must say just going through those times in my head, it's hard for a single parent. And especially like, um, I was an only only child. So like, I imagine for single parents that have got all two, three, four children, do you get what I'm saying? Five children, that's mad. Because it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to focus on. And like, my, I'm from a single parent family and I feel sometimes as I've got older, because retrospect, looking back, and I feel sometimes, even if I've ever got cheeky to my mum, I feel like they're actually sacrificed for me. That's what and I'm the saying, things she's it? had to go through Smart. for me, and especially in the time when she was, she being a young lady, young girl coming over Smart. from Africa into this environment, Smart. having to put up with all the things she had to put up with, Smart. I'm saying socially, 
so that you, know you can mean? live a life. Do you know what I mean? And right. then have to raise a child, like Steve stuff. Yeah, and it's not to. I think it's not to. It's not singing, saying that sad story or anything like that because they're strong, strong women. But it's also to recognize. I like, think, yeah, the acknowledgement you know what I mean? is important. That's where I was coming from when I was looking at it. It's the acknowledgement that, yeah. you know, there's, I feel like, especially as a black woman, I feel like they was going through a lot of yeah, things at that time. Different. They're going through a lot of things now, but like back then they was going through a lot as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to be single parent. And dealing with your own traumas. Yeah. And in, like you said, in a different country, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, smug. And exactly, dealing with your own traumas. Because a lot of the times at them age groups, they're 12 to 19, whatever, whatever, do you even recognise what trauma is? Yeah. Do you know what well, I mean? Was there even, I'm saying, for the, the wider community, I'm just saying the layman, was there even the language for it? Trauma. If you're in this industry or you work in the community, it's like trauma is one of the words. Anxiety, like... All of these things, we talk mm. about mental health, but I'm saying, was there even a language for them things back then? And our parents coming from where they're coming from, it's very much like, oh, you just have to get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Because like, mm. they've been brought up a certain way where you ain't got time. Like, I mean, my mum said to me stuff like, I haven't got time to be depressed. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. No one ain't got time for that. And I'm mm. like, yeah. And I take that on with me, and I'm very much like that. Mm. Where as opposed to, in this day and age, it's a lot of self-diagnosis. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. My little daughter's 10 years old. She could sit down and say, oh, I'm feeling a bit anxious, mm. daddy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. But I, I, wow. Because to be honest, if we, if we can answer that question, we'll do ourselves a lot of favours as individuals because we experience trauma all day long. And it's, it's not just the experience of the trauma. It's, it's the effect that it has on the body and it has on you. And sometimes, even though people don't recognize things, it doesn't mean that it's not still having the same effect on them. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes people don't know that things are happening, but they, that doesn't mean it's not happening. And going back to the coping mechanisms, a lot of times people do invent or make up coping mechanisms so that they could deal with things that they're not comfortable dealing with. But it doesn't mean that it's not happening. It is still happening. And that's how we got to this bit here. But yeah, you know, it's mad. So was you getting in trouble a lot of times at school? Like? I think I think I think what happened with me is that I felt like the teacher wasn't really identifying or acknowledging my ability. So I would tend to kind of disrupt the class if, if you get what I'm saying, like shout out the answer or do something stupid. But that was only because the teacher wasn't asking me the question. She would ask everybody else. So but I would, you felt like you would like like you just said that you wasn't acknowledged. It's like you wasn't in the part of the actual class or kind of like. Hmm. But I kind of like, I kind of knew what was going on, even though I was so young and going through life, whatever, growing up. But yeah, so ended up getting Archbishop Mike um, Tennyson's, Archbishop Tennyson's grammar school. They've taken the grammar off of it now. What did, what did that, what does grammar school mean? What does grammar mean? That's like speech. Okay. So they special, I guess they specialize, they specialize in 
oral and literature, English. And I think that is, I, is part of why I speak the way I speak as well. I think that has a lot to do with it because English oral and English lit was one of my favorite subjects at school. Mm. I never really was interested in school like that. Like, I liked certain subjects and I was interested in learning. But somehow I always thought these people are teaching us fuck. Like, I just swear to swear, but what my mind's telling me and what you lot are trying to show me, it's, it's I could take bits and pieces, mm-hmm. but I can't just take it the way that it's being presented to me because it doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? But, but I'm a person I've always asked questions. I'm, I'm a person that constantly asks questions. So when they were given certain answers, you'd question it. You would just hear what they yeah. had to say. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Explain that. And then they find you challenging and all of that. And then mm. that comes with a whole load of other stereotypes. Because there's different styles that people learn. There's yeah, different, different learning styles, yeah. You know, and I think it's really important to be able to even recognise that 100%. before you can even start to get through to somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? That's why I say we, we, we must always understand how somebody is before we can even say we're communicating with them because if you don't understand how that person is, how are you going to give a fair assessment of that person to yourself for you to then give them back a fair response? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely does. So even going into work, getting my first jobs and stuff like that, always having some manager or some person that just always wanted to sack me or just just hating on that. And what did you get that? What was it generally? Oh, he's got a chip on his shoulder or he's got yeah. an attitude. Because there's certain words that yes. get associated. Get labelled. When And I think especially when you look a certain way, yeah. there's certain, like, do you know what I mean? And like you're saying, it's about finding that, you said earlier about balance mm. and finding that ground when you meet someone mm. and being willing to believe what they're saying. Do you get it? It's not yeah. about, oh, don't forget about having understanding. Be willing to believe what I'm saying. I feel like our education system is something that is just there to give you a set of rules and guidelines for you to then just automatically play out. Do you think the school system, the education system, perpetuates you to be a certain way? Yeah. So it trains you to be a worker, <coughs> nine to five. So that's your training. Like, you're going to work like this. You're going to get married. You're going to do this. Yeah. And this is the formula. It's These like, are the guidelines. Like a, and like this is how you do it. Indoctrinize. Yeah. But that whole system, that whole cycle, it took me late in life, but I realized that it actually doesn't help me because what happened is I needed to really be an entrepreneur. Being an employee and an entrepreneur is two different mindsets. Getting a job wasn't my problem. It was keeping the job. And where do you think that came from? I feel like there's loads of elements that make up a situation, isn't it? So it's never just like, oh, yeah, it was that thing. Like, it's always a mixture of things. But, like, I always was experiencing going to a job and somebody wanting to sack me or somebody just having an issue with me. And I was just like, this is repetitive. Then done a little bit of road. My thing, to be honest, back in the day was bringing food back and forward. 
you get what I'm saying? And like when you say bringing like so bringing drugs back and forward from yeah, so I, I that's what I went to jail for bringing food from um Jamaica and um, Barbados and all those places like Saint Lucia and that. So you're bringing that, bringing it back from the Caribbean. Yeah. So yeah, so boom. What were what? Sorry, to, to, I want to sound like a fed, but like what? What when you say you was bringing food back and forth? What food was you bringing back and forward? Coke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, because as I said, hit the streets because getting jobs and not being able to cons. Well, it felt it got to a stage where it felt like I couldn't really make any plans with my life because it was always at somebody else's mercy. Mm. Whilst be trying to be employed, doing that nine to five mindset, like doing that whole thing, it I always felt like I was at somebody else's mercy. So, so I said, I realized that I needed to be an entrepreneur, but that's not what school sets you up for. So, 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 what's the point from? I'm in these jobs. I feel like they're dead end jobs. I'm not really feeling it. I'm having these issues to, you know what? Because they must, you don't just go straight from that to, I'm in Jamaica and I'm bringing back food. How did you get to that point? Like, my family was involved a lot in that lifestyle. Import, export. Yeah. So, do you get what I'm saying? That was just what we, that was what my family did still. Do you get what I'm saying? It weren't really nothing new to me still. It weren't even, and, and at that time it was that. It was that whole influx of the Yardies type, not Jamaicans, but Yardies yeah, coming yeah, yeah. and wanting to smash it and go home and build their houses and whatever. It was that time I had a couple of cousins that done that still, do you get what I'm saying? So, so what, like, was you actually physically bringing it back yourself? Mm. How, so what was that like? Like, Because I'm thinking about, like, it's customs and all that. Yeah, what, like... Give me, like, just give me, like, a... Give me, like, an actual... A run, like, just say, like, you've gone there... This is that. How did it actually work in terms of, and what was that feeling like as well? Because I'm sure all of these things lead to where you are now. It's mad. Like it's, it was just like learning how to read a lot of situations in your environment and process it in a way where you're not looking funny or looking bait. That was just the main thing. Like I've spent years just flying under the radar, trying to fly under the radar because I just never wanted to be seen. Did you have your dreads at this time as well? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was always, always going to end one way, isn't it? Like, especially if you ask that question, did you have your dreads? And you used to do that. Like, yeah. It's mad, like, just kind of mad, isn't it? But what, what was... All right, so... I'm trying... Because I want... It's not to glorify anything. Well, that's not what this is about. So at the time when you're doing it and you're coming through, that feeling of like, I don't know if it's nervousness or whatnot, or is it adrenaline in? What's the feelings? And then what is the feeling like when you actually bust, when you bust through? Like, what's, I'm trying to get a picture of that. Emotions are emotions, isn't yeah. it? Like, I would never be able to... Uh, yeah, yeah. Even as great words, wordsmiths as we are, but it's very difficult to really just... Put that quantum. Yeah, yeah, put yeah. that across. But it's, it is an amazing feeling, obviously. But I don't know, after a while, I think I just took it for granted. Like, I, 
I was doing that for probably four years straight before I even got me. Do you get what I'm saying? So it was just a lifestyle. It became a lifestyle at that time. And what was you doing at that time? Because I want to, I want people to go back to that time. What were you doing? You're getting it back and forth. Obviously, you're traveling to these different places. You're making money. What were you doing? What would, what would be like a typical couple of weeks for you? What were you doing? Like you're getting money as well, I suppose. So what are you doing with your money? What is the time? Where was your mind at at that time? Sometimes it was some joke business because it was just like buying gold chaparri as I, I remember having a gold Raymond Will watch and Averexes and it was all like like that's what I'm saying like with I wish our thing was a bit different in terms of like we didn't we didn't love all of these materials that had somebody else's name on it like I wish our, our mindset was to live in our skin and love our skin and what's the same and then build that first and then everything else after. Like, because that that whole, them times of going Apollo, it was mud. Like, it's, it's, it was all focused on silly things. Like, it, it didn't amount to nothing. It had fun. Just raving, partied, going out, yeah. went out, had some fun, memorable times. Yeah, great. But at the same time, it didn't amount to nothing positive. If anything, I think it amounted to something negative. Yeah. When we're in the raves and parties and stuff, like we're singing certain things and when yeah, those yeah, things yeah, are yeah. being manifested. Yeah, 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 100%. And I don't feel like they're always neg- positive things yeah, that we're 100%. manifesting. A majority of the time it would be negative things and I feel like that's how we end up being where we are right now. Mm. So you got to, so you was doing that for like four years, giving us a brief description of what it was like at the time. And then you said you got nicked. So what did you get nicked at the airport? What, how did that happen? Got nicked at the airport. Um, ended up being in Miami. Getting chained. You got nicked in Miami? Yeah, getting chained to the bed. The hospital bed and that. Well, how comes the hospital bed? Because when you've got food on you, then you've got to go through that whole process, isn't it? So, what process to check if it's inside you? Yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever do that? Yeah. And what was what's that like? Because I've seen, to be honest, I've seen it on like I've seen it on TV. So I mean, I know people that do it, but I'm saying I've never. What's that process like? What are you saying? It's just something. It, I think it, a lot of things depend on your mindset. You know, like, are you uh, <coughs> are you an optimist or a pessimist? Like. A lot of the times I feel like people look at things and go, oh, no, like, oh, I could never do that. Make yourself was in trouble and see if you needed to mm-hmm. do it and see if you would, if you'd do it or not. Yeah. You'd probably do a lot yeah, worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like worse. I go, yeah, I yeah, 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 100%. The mindset was just get it done, isn't it? Yeah, straight. And I guess even, do you know what? Now that I kind of look into it as well, after watching Dr. Gabor Mate, it, it was probably some kind of coping mechanism to a traumatic situation why I even fell into that situation or even put myself into that situation. It's got to be. Maybe it was trauma of just not having money. Do you get what I'm saying? Trauma of just not having a job. Not having a job at my age, like back when you left school and all of that, it's like you was lazy. 
you know what's really mad? Like this whole COVID situation, how people have been furloughed and people have been unsure about their jobs and da 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 da. How people are feeling now is how I felt my whole life. And I just learned how to deal with it. Do you get what I'm saying? Which is just trauma on top of trauma, you know? And me finding coping mechanisms on top of coping mechanisms. But what's that like? What's your, what's your I want to know your feelings. What was you feeling at that time? Was you like, I know you say you just roll with it. Was you shook? Was you anxious? How was you feeling? Like, it's America, isn't it? Like, for me, I know London. I know what I can do in London. And if I go and bin, whatever, what's it like, America? Because obviously you hear about man getting raped in there and all that. Like, can you remember how you were feeling at the time when you got nicked? I think at the time, the, mo- the main thing that was going on for me at the time was the birth of my daughter. Mm. I just knew I was going to miss the whole of that scenario there. And it just hurt like hell. It was a hard thing to deal with as I just landed in there and she, like, my, my daughter Tyler was like three months old at that, that, that time. And what was you looking at like, in terms of like? Um, I think it started at five, like, just five years. Yeah, and what was it? Was you in county first before? Was there no, something it's, different in it? It's, when it's international, it goes straight to feds. Yeah. It? So you don't do county. Yeah. I think county is worse, though. I think county is worse than feds. Yeah. Feds is much, though. Feds is like what you see on the TV a little bit. Yeah. Those two-tier type mezzanine type floors. Yeah. Like the, the remand center in um, Miami. It's like a 13 floor, like a block of flats, it looks like. Yeah. But it's mad, like it's tiny little windows. You can't even see outside. It's mad. Like, ended up doing six months in the hole. Like why? Why did you do six months in all? I had to learn some lessons in life, innit? So like one of those lessons that I learned was that bravado doesn't get you everywhere. Like it's good sometimes, but sometimes things take tact. Yeah, explain this to me that I wanna know. Like when you say bravado, so for you to end up in the hole, something must have happened. What happened? Yeah, so like I shouldn't have been bravado that day. Yeah. I should have been tapped out. Tapped. Tactful. So I don't know what you're talking about. Explain to me like I'm a, explain to me. No, because I said I had a fight, innit? Like, oh, you didn't say you had a fight. I didn't, oh, I didn't no, say I had a fight. you didn't fight. say, that's what I'm saying. So. So you're in there. How long have you been in there at the time? Uh, so yeah, that was, I did six months toward the end of my sentence. So that was like, I'd been in there probably about two and a half years at the time. Okay. And um, I remember that was the day I first done my free plate squat. Yeah. Like I was training Hard, like, yeah. I shout out to Walter Smith. I, I've never seen my doggy again, but this man here, he was the one that put me on that road to training and yeah. bodybuilding and what, proper going in. Yeah, like, serious. I dropped in the jail and he was like, I was in the gym and I just picked up two dumbbells, started messing about, and the man just came over to me. He was like, What are you doing? And I was like, What was he, American? Yeah. But when I looked, my man was one minute, like, he had a mad physique. So I thought, he was like, you want to train? So I was like, yeah, come on then. Yeah. Boom. Done the thing. Boom. End of the session, he was like, yeah, let's train tomorrow. And then I was like, all right, cool. And then we just done that for like 18 months. And that brought me to that point there where like... Was he older or younger? He was... He was 
36, I was 28. Okay. So in the UK, you might go, they might put you off ends, but really and truly, you can get visits and whatnot. What was that like? Because obviously, I take it, you wasn't really getting visits because you're out in America. What um, was that like? So the letters were even more important at that time. Yeah, the letters taught me a lot in life. Like, but that's where that whole descriptive mm. thing came in. And then I started to read a lot of um, books at that time in the whole. I must have read over like just like 50, 60 books. Just give me a couple of titles of some of your favorite there wasn't, books. Like, like my a lot of um, born born identity. Yeah. Um, and then I was a few like, escape and all that. Yeah, born identity. Came the spider and all. This. But then, like, I started to appreciate words more. At that point, like it was, it was a bit more for me because my partner, who I was writing to at the time, was writing to me. That was something. It was something. It was a bond. It was something special. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, and it was also helping me for a bit of normality because nothing in my life was normal at that time. Like, I'm in a whole complete different country. Do you get what I'm saying? Like in a complete different world. Never even been in prison in London, in England, like you said, but in prison in America, like Miami. Like seeing bare people with orange jump vests and tattoos and gold teeth. And I'm thinking, what? this is madness. Like, how the hell did I reach here? Did you have to put on, you still talking about bravado? Did you have to put on a lot? I never put on no bravado. What it was that day. But I'm um, saying, brightest, before we got to that point, brightest sense, like you're saying, you're in a whole other country, the fear of the unknown. So, how was it like for you getting through so that? So remember I said I learned the skill of how to adapt. adapt. Yeah, 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 you did say that. I, I, that's, these are my, this is my journey, isn't it? So I, I've been able to be of mind to be able to see what I've had to do along the way. Mm. And also to be able to think, well, did it work? Did it not work? Was it useful? Can I use that in future? Because adapting is a very, very useful skill. Like sometimes we're too set in our ways. There's that saying, isn't it? Um, don't get stressed about the things you can't change. Just change what you can, but don't get stressed about the things you can't change. Because that's when you get stuck on something, then it becomes something completely different. But yeah, so. Didn't get my letter, boom, got pissed off, the man then called count, went to my cell, done the count, come back out, some brother sitting in my seat, and I'm like, yo, because we're all watching movie and that, yo, let me get my seat back, bro. My man's like giving it all of that, some German brother. We're in America, like Jamaicans, Mexicans, Germans, the Americans, they all sat in, in groups. Um, what group was you with? With the Jamaicans. But it's mad because when I was there, I used to speak like I was American. Yeah. I didn't ever do an English accent. Give me an American, give me your American accent now. Boy, child, it's a bit rusty. Nah, now, give bro. it to me, man. Give it to me, man. <laughs> I, all I remember is one time um, I was in the hole and the this, this screw. He used to come and used to kick my door every single morning. A metal door, 5.30 in the morning. Stuart, you want a wreck? 
and I'll be like, yeah. And then he'd never come back. But what happened is he'd have a shower in the cell, in the hole. It's not just on the normal compound. So you get a sh they turn the water on on Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So Marcelli had a shower that day. It was a shower day. The screw's standing there through the door watching me, you know. But having a shower? Watch it, just watching you. Just kind of watching, yeah. yeah. But what happened was, after Marcelli had his shower and then I went in and soaked up, my man turned off the water. So I'm covered in soap. Yeah. So at that point, I went mad, didn't it? So I was like, <laughs> you redneck cracking motherfucker. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're like, with them, man, you're one, what, how they talking that? Yeah, yeah, so I started cussing him. But yeah. li literally, I think my accent must have been so good that because nobody knew that I was actually from England. Serious, so you, you really are on this adapting, like. So, as I said, to me, it's like consciousness and experiences. Your experiences make up who you are. If you're only going to have limited experiences, you're going to be a very limited being, which is not going to help you in future situations because you've got nothing, no life experiences or limited life experiences to mm. reflect upon to then process a good response to what you're going through at that time. It's important to go through different experiences, good or bad. All of these things have been an opportunity for me to grow. Mm where I could either empathize with somebody's situation or see a situation or understand the situation just purely because I'm able to bend my mind like that. I think a lot of the times we're very rigid and we, we can't yeah, empathize yeah. or bend ourselves to certain situations. And going back to what you said about maybe education, that's what it's about to do, to restrict you and make you be rigid and see this vision and it's only one way exactly. it goes, so possibly. 100. Yeah. 100. For me, I just wanted to break out of that hole. But when I was like... Explain the hole to people that don't know what the hole is. Um, oh, <laughs> I meant I wanted to break out of that whole mindset. But yeah. the hole yeah. is segregated housing unit. So it's like the prison within a prison. So it's a further punishment when you're in prison. Yeah. So when you're in there, you're not, you don't have association, you're not with other... That's right. That's right. So everything gets stripped back again. But, um, so was you literally in the hole for six months by yourself? Yeah. Not for the whole journey, but most of it. Most of it. I was on my own. Counted every breeze blocking the cell how many times. Read every book that I had or paper that I had how many times. Do you have a clock? Um, nah. A lot of time you don't even know what the time is. Yeah, like most of the time you don't know what the time is. That, that whole, like, that's why I'm saying our, our society is uncivilized. Because mm. from what I understand, when, I, when people commit a crime, it's, be, it's through a lack of something or there's something wrong with that person. In both instances, as a society, we're supposed to be looking about that person's needs. If we're all born with a birthright, we all have a sovereignty, we're all, we're all a living being, and we have rights, human rights, then nobody should be treated in that manner. And the fact that we are in this situation that we're in, 
it's it's uncivilized. We are completely living uncivilized and we don't get it. We shouldn't even have homeless people on the street. This is the UK. What are you talking about? The world, I've been around a lot. I've been to a lot of places and everywhere knows UK. Most places, most people know Peckham. You say Peckham, no, what, you know, Temper. The people, your place is known. This is like a platform for the, for the, for the globe. The whole world knows UK. The time we're living in, 2021, age of knowledge, age of Aquarius, we, we should not be living the way we're living. And we can actually change it. But we're just on some jolting. I don't really get it. So that's why I'm just making my noise, isn't it? And I've felt this way since a long time because I used to look at um, Nation of Islam. And Nation of Islam kind of, kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. Like it kind of put sense to a lot of the thoughts that I had. And I'm glad I experienced that at a young age, like I was about 19 or something. Yeah, so what a lot of people are experiencing now, I've been experiencing that my whole life. Like what people have been experiencing through COVID and whatever, losing their job, stressed out, da -da -da -da, feeling that their employers against them now. Da -da -da -da. Like I've been experiencing that shit for my whole life. Man. So now that this, this whole COVID thing just kind of felt normal for me. What was the, the worst thing about being in prison, incarcerated in America, and what was the best thing? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things, because to be honest, you know, like, you, you, you've lost a period of your life. I, get to, I got to understand as well the age that you go into prison is that you're going to remain that age until you come back out. And I've seen that actually happen. It's a real thing. I've seen a guy that came in at 18 and the man's now 36 and he's still 18. But it affects you in so many different ways. Um, to sit down and list them is mad. Because like you miss your family, you, you miss some experiences that are only one-off experiences like my, my daughter being born. Seeing the stress it put on your parent, see it put stress on my mum. Like, you fall back within society because by the time you do that and then come back to the road, things have changed. You know, things do change in three years. Yeah, yeah. Things do change in five years. And adjusting to those changes can be quite daunting in itself. So, yeah, so talk about that, what the transition from coming out of prison in Miami and then transitioning back into society in the UK. It's funny, I, I got a job straight away. As I said, like, getting a job was never my problem. Yeah. But I just never was comfortable in a job. So that's when I started working for DWP. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't DWP, but it was funded by DWP, but it was uh, Working Links, Welfare to Work sector. Getting people jobs and upskilling them with their interview techniques and, you know, personal appearance and CVs and all this kind of stuff. You know, I even heard a guy hang himself in there, in the hole, you know. Well, you, like, you actually physically heard them hang Yeah, I heard him because he came in around six o'clock in the evening and he was barling and screaming and making that pure noise. And then he was just on it, on it all the way until about 
11 sat in it coming like, and then it just went dead. It was quiet. And then the next day, the screw was telling us that he topped himself, you know. But like, I, I try not to go into things with bravado. I try to use tact because to me, technique beats brute force. There are times when you're going to need brute force, but it's the technique of how to do something. Everything has a technique. Everything has a, a, a style to it or a form to it. Or like you might come in and set up your, but when he's setting up his cameras, he knows he'll do boom, 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 boom. And he can still hold a conversation because there's a technique to what he's doing. There's a form, there's a flow to what he's doing. Or he's done it often enough, he does it in a certain way. That's life. Once you follow that form and technique, it's a lot easier. So even in the gym and teaching people and sculpting bodies, it's about putting thought into what exercises you're doing so that you can achieve the result. The core of what I am about is sculpting a body, which I learned in America. So it's almost like I use the coping mechanism to become now my hobby. Yeah. Um, which I found out the other day, I kind of looked into it the other day. Um, I think it's probably be, become a slight addiction, which I guess at times can be a little bit unhealthy too. Because um, I've got this thing where I just do a lot of heavy weight and I'm quite a slim guy as it is. so. I put my body under a lot of stress yeah. and I put my nervous system under a lot of stress. But I believe that it's a lot to do with trauma as well. Which brings me to where I am in life in, in terms of I realize that energy, so emotion, we spoke about me dropping a tear. I'm, I'm always quite happy to drop a tear. For me, energy can't die. It can only transform. So. If I keep emotion inside of me, I, t I tend to believe that it will turn out to develop into something that yeah, I might not necessarily have to control. Right. Which I've witnessed in the past. Yeah. But I've used the gym for that for most of my life, not realizing that's what was going on. I just thought, right, I just want to be really, really strong so I could defend myself. And it also covered a whole barrage of other stuff that I didn't realize because I'm in the gym more time and I'm processing a lot of stuff. And that's where I'll get the strength from or get the drive from or get that emotion from for me to do what I'm doing right there and then. As I said, which is just pressing a lot of heavy weights. About a month ago, I watched, um, as I keep mentioning, Dr. Gabor Mate. And he talks about, you know, coping mechanisms and how they can become addictive and so forth and how we can do, like, addictive behaviours is not just things like, you know, yeah. porn or alcohol. It yeah. could be shopping. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I know people that they their freezer's full and they've got another fridge and, and, and that's full too, but they still go shopping, still shop. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, there's, there are mad addictions out there. Yeah, most definitely. And we don't, we, we, a lot of the time we think, we think 
because they're not something that is like against the law or something, we don't see that they're actually negative um, behavioural traits. See, like, all that we're talking about, going back, because you seem like someone that self-reflects a lot, and I think it's, a, a, it's an admirable quality to have, to be able to look at yourself, self-reflect, and take accountability. What advice would you give, like, as opposed to the younger you? If you could go back and talk to Dread at 28, what advice would you give the younger you? One of the things that I say to young people that are around me is to spend some time listening. Because when you listen, you learn a lot. Talking is, I say, talking is for teaching, listening is for learning. The more we spend time observing and listening and watching and being aware, not letting things go over our head, is the more you learn, is the more you're going to grow your consciousness, is the more you're going to develop is your personal development, your personal growth. Because this is important because it's your consciousness, it's who you are. This whole COVID situation is about your, an attack on your mental consciousness. Who's going to control it? Control your own energy, otherwise somebody else will. Right now, a lot of people are being controlled. And a person could look at you and wearing a mask outside in the open air and looking at you saying, why ain't you got your mask on? Because you're affecting us in the NHS and you're out in the open air. People are not using their consciousness, but that is what we are. We are a bundle of consciousness. You touched earlier on, you said, um, you said about the gym being a way to channel certain energy that you have and it not going the other way. So it was an outlet, it not going the other way. So can you tell me about a time when you didn't use the gym to channel the energy and it went another way? And I think Scotland would be a prime example. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I ended up getting um, charged for attempted murder for an action that I didn't really think about properly, but it was a lesson to me. So I realized that, you know, you can't just do whatever you feel like you want to do. But I should have learned that lesson 10 years prior. Mm. And I ended up learning it again 10 years later to the month and to the day because I got, I got nicked on the 23rd of, the, of February 2001 and 2011. So that in itself served as a, a little thing like, oh, that really happened 10 years apart, a whole decade apart, exactly to the day. But I learned that, you know, you could do things and feel like there's no consequence, but there is always a consequence. Mm -hmm. I realized that I nearly took somebody's life and I wasted, not wasted, but yeah. I, I, I gave away five years, nearly six years of my own life. And I gave an excuse that it was over money, but really and truly that money, I could have made it every day for that six years almost, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Course. So I really lost out a lot. And that's when I realized, rah, like, if I can break that down to myself, like if I can make some younger next younger person understand like what you're giving away when you put yourself in certain scenarios, like you're literally giving your life away, your time, 
So I, that's when I just started to, at DD, when I um, joined work in Lynx and started to help people, young people get jobs and so forth and learn certain skills, certain life skills to help themselves, I wanted to continue on that journey. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to start helping people, to start just helping in some way. So in terms of like, obviously you was talking about TWP and all these things, these jobs that you have and then going to prison and your mindset and the consciousness and that shift. So now you know, you're getting into fitness and whatnot and then you're speaking to young people. What's got you into like the community work that you're doing and you're about to do? In terms of young people engaging with me, it was always based through, oh, you, how do you do that? Or how do you, what, you could free plate squat or you could four plate deadlift or it, it was, like young people love the numbers, innit? When they see you lifting big yeah. weights, like they always will engage with you based on that. And I saw it as a, as a tool to have what I now call, there's a program that's been written called Moments for Conversation. So you'd be just like doing normal things or where you're interacting with young people, but you could use those normal moments to have like a learning moment. I tend to tie the gym to everything. And I learned a lot from the gym. You know, things like discipline and patience and longevity and planning. and Like, I've seen all these things take place because yeah. for two decades now I've been in the gym. And I relate that a lot to life. So I try to reflect that back to young people to say, look, you could use the gym and use things that you, you know, you see and, how, and you can reflect it back into your life. And do you think that's, because a lot of people have experiences, go through a lot of adversity, but they don't always, I don't know, they might not always be community driven. What do you think makes you community driven? What makes you feel that you want to have these conversations with these young boys or you want to reach out and change certain things? What do you think makes you like that? So I realised that, as I said earlier on, whether I like it or not, everybody here is in my community. If they work in Brixton or they live in Brixton or they, they live locally, though, me and them are going to cross paths at some point in time. I need my community to run as efficiently and, and, and as best as possible so that I can have the best experience I can have. And I know in terms of the, 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 the society that we're living in, a lot of this don't care what people think attitude is yeah, out there and yeah, it's damaging. Yeah. It's very damaging. It just leads me to the point of unlearn what you've already learned and teach yourself some new stuff. Because a lot of what we've been learned is a lot of, it's just distractions. It's distracting. Like, as I said, in terms of caring about people, it's very important. It's important. It's important. Imagine how important it is if, if, you not caring about somebody, something happening to somebody and it leads to them going to prison or them killing somebody yeah. or them selling drugs or, or them take, going in the church and shooting up at 10 p. These things happen. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a knock-on effect of something that happened to somebody. If we'd had the right interaction with that person, intervention with that person when it was needed, maybe we could have stopped them from doing that. And I think us... 
when I went when I entered into the prison system, they said that there's three reasons why people commit crime, which is um, no lack of employment, lack of um, housing, or having some kind of um, drug or or, or or alcohol dependency. Yeah, but there's a lot more than that, Charlie. There's a lot more than that. That just shows how how basic our 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 whole, whole blueprint or template is. Because there's a lot more than that. When you start talking about people's mental uh, disadvantages. So in terms of community, so what's some of the community work that you're doing now or some of the programs you're putting together? When I came from Scotland, I wanted to do a bit of mentoring. I was like, you know what? I just want to tell you, listen, that's long, isn't it? Going jail is long. Every job that I applied for, I couldn't, I wouldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't getting it, which is quite different for me. So I was like, rah, why is that then? Normally I can get any job I want. Well, it's always happened. Now I'm trying to be a mentor, trying to turn this whole thing around on its head. And I can't get in my foot in the door. They, they say they bite off ex-offenders' hands to do yeah, these yeah. jobs because they've been down that road. They, they know that road. That lived experience. They've yeah. lived it. They've had that experience. But yes, I couldn't get the employment. There was all these excuses. So I was like, okay, do you know what? I need to build my thing in a way where I don't need to ask anybody for anything. And that was just my mindset from there. But I also still wanted to be able to be in a position where I could share what I've learned along the way. So yeah, so I just tend to tend to use physical exercise as an engagement tool verbal skills, vocal skills, my physical ability and my experiences to put the combination together and see if it helps young people to realise, you know, I don't even necessarily have to go down that road myself because when Kev said it, I kind of felt what Kev said still. So I'm going to do my thing a little bit different because I saw what Kev went through. The way Kev put it across still, I felt it. Um, if that can happen, then I'm happy because I realized that I gave away almost a fifth of my life to prison. And I do also say that it's one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. And a lot of people don't really understand that. They look at me like, this man's a jailbird. <laughs> but it's not even really like that. It's just being able to, as I said, take negative situations and learn from them yeah, of course. in a way where it becomes now positive for you with what you're going to do with that information. And that just became me, the body sculpture, where, you know, I identified my, what I have to offer the world, which is how to design a physique. I was a skinny pop. Just like LB said, if I don't eat, I'm the marvelous man on the on road. Sherlock's like that as well. Sherlock's like that as well. Well, there's some of us have got the same body types. You know, I think it's called um, ectomorph. But we've got clean muscle, like clean, looks mud. But if we don't get the mix right, it just will fall away. Because we've got high metabolism. I realize that I have to package the information in different ways for different people because everybody's got different body types yeah, and yeah. different eating types and different, 
you know, different habits and so forth. So you have to be able to factor these in to then be able to write somebody a program or give them a diet plan or do you get what I'm saying? We're in a society right now where everybody's quite visual. You know, people are about how we look. So, which is a big deal in itself yeah. because um, it brings about a lot of insecurities if you're not yeah, happy about how you look. Social media, just exactly. But then I suppose you can also use it to promote the work that you're doing. That's right. You know what I mean? But like, Tech, you was telling me about some of the other things that you're in the process of um, doing that community stuff. Do you care to go into that? Or? Yeah, so um, we have literally began setting up. We've set, it's, it's pretty, pretty much started. It'd be, I think our rollout date would be 31st of August. But um, basically we have um, all the boroughs of London, which we're going to eventually get to, but we've got about nine so far where we have different phys- fitness instructors and um, instructors of different different genres um, delivering programs free to their um, local communities in the specific park um, for young people, for everybody of that community. Um, Sundays are free. Um, it's called Hood Fitness Connect. Um, I'm the director of the Southwark department, the Southwark borough, and um, literally we have like boxing trainers, football trainers, basketball trainers, table tennis trainers, uh, high intensity trainers, calisthenics, or, you know, all sorts of genres. And um, we're just using that as a way to basically get the young people active in the community and also um, engaging with each other and being able to come away from the devices a little bit and, and you know, just, just, just interact with each other yeah. and also learn and grow at the same time. I think a lot of skills are lost when we absorb ourselves into the devices in terms of interactive skills and communication skills and, you know, just all sorts of um, abilities and skills. We, they're lost because we don't, we're not exercising them, so we, we lose them, just like the muscle thing. And I think it's, it's happened to our society where we, that's why we've become so desensitized to a lot of things and to the point where we just don't know how to do stuff no more. What would you say, like, on a, I suppose on a different note, what do you like about you? I like the fact that I, I believe that I add value to people's lives because I like to be able to impact yeah. people positively yeah. with any input that I give. Tapes, that was like Wolf in the Kitchen, like, you know, um, obviously you know about Wolf in the Kitchen, but yeah, we started the food business. Um, wanted to bring things like lobster and stuff like that to the community, to the hood, yeah. do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, that was great. We had an amazing response from that. People supported people. They, there was, it was like a whole movement. But that whole part of that whole thing for me was just to be able to see people come together in a, in a way where we could affect some kind of change, where it, 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 even if it opened people's eyes for a minute or it just made people want to eat healthy for a minute or it made people want to just be a part of something for a minute. Do you know what I mean? Because that was when COVID just started. It was like, it was peak. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, people was depressed and stuff. Do 
you get what I'm saying? Like, it, there was a lot going on for people. And, like, that's why I give props to, um, to Rambo, because, like, I always say to him, like, you literally showed how to start a business from nothing and take it to a working business. It, it, we built a brand. Wolf in the Kitchen was a brand. It's a brand. I, I believe that whatever your adversity is, it was something that you were supposed to get an understanding of so that you could then share it with yeah. the world. So then you can make life easier for somebody else. Because if they can benefit off of your understanding, just how you relate it to them, that's how I live my life. Yeah. Like an open book, so boom. I feel you. All right, so I've got one last question for you. So if you could be a, you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be and why? I already see myself as a superhero. And the reason why is because I know who I am, isn't it? Like power. I said superpower. Yeah, but it is yeah, a, I am a power. Yeah, go on. I am a power. Power is an energy. I am a power. And I think the more you know yourself is the more those powers come out. So for instance, I just said just now, your adversities is what makes you who you are. And it's what you're going to share, should share with the world. A lot of people hide that stuff. Yeah. Now, if you are experiencing an adversity and you get your head around it to, to a degree where you can now relate to somebody else, you can help somebody else through that journey. And I see that as a superpower. I see that as a superpower because I'm helping people every day. I hear you, my guy. <laughs> On that note, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Charlie, man. It's love, been emotional, love. man. It's love. been emotional. It's been lovely, bro. It's been lovely.